0: Welcome back to the Girl at the Game podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Francisco of Nesson, here with Gabrielle Starr, the founder of Girl at the Game, and we have a very special guest on today. Uh we go way, way back, Tom Westerholm of Boston.com. So I guess a formal congratulations on the new gig.
1: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: How's the little renovation project going? I know we I know we interrupted you, like what, putting up drywall or
1: well, sanding drywall right now. So I'm covered in whatever cancerous materials people uh, put on the walls of your house and don't tell you about, um, but it's going well. Uh, I think it looks good. And uh, whatever years I shave off my life expectancy by being down there in all that dust, uh, you know, well worth it right now, at least.
0: So. Yeah, it's like all that asbestos you're breathing in now, like it'll be worth it because you're just going to have a sick finished basement.
1: You know what I mean? For like the you know for like <laughs> 20 years, while I can still breathe, it'll be good. And then after that, uh, we'll we'll you know we'll play it by ear. Love it.
2: Not to echo what we've been hearing for like 10 months, but are you wearing a mask when you do these home renovations? <laughs> <laughs> I am
1: I'm wearing a, a mask. I'm wearing goggles, and uh, so a lot of the time I'm just kind of sanding blindly because you know like I'm fogging up my goggles trying to do it. So, but yes, no, I uh, I'm being as safe as I as safe as I can doing something that is you know moderate safety
2: are you All documenting right. your home renovation
1: i am for a little for a short stretch there i was like trying to take video because i was like uh you know i was like trying to like take video of myself be like hey guys you know da and i was like this is stupid like why am i doing this i'm never gonna be on hgtv so yeah just- <laughs> but- wait
0: tom you know i love that shit like we should be collabing <laughs> she- here
1: if look if you are want-
0: so good at it she's gonna redo my bathroom
1: Oh yeah, well I have
0: legitimate paying clients now, like on the side. It's
1: really weird. I can put you to I can put you to work. We got like I got tons of stuff to do. So just anytime you oh. want to come through, let me know.
0: Yeah, I'll come through. I'm we'll down. we'll have some cocktails and Leslie, your wife, and I will just get down
1: to it. Cool, that sounds good. Drunk and painting,
2: I'm so it's basically like those wine nights, you know, when you pay to like get drunk <laughs> and paint a picture, except that we just get to paint your house instead. That's awesome. I'm totally down.
1: Literally anytime. Yeah. You, you guys have my number. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
0: I know. And plenty I'm, of time because I feel like the Celtics haven't, haven't played in like almost a week. So we're all just kind of chilling here. Um. So yeah, since <laughs> so they bored. haven't, since they haven't played in a little minute, I guess like it's appropriate to talk about the James Harden trade, which just broke last night. We're recording this on today's Thursday, right? Yeah. We're recording this on Thursday. So James Harden blockbuster trade yesterday to the Brooklyn Nets I mean I feel like this was pretty imminent right
1: well I mean him getting traded was definitely imminent I don't know that I thought I didn't think he was going to the Nets I thought he was going to end up I certainly didn't either yeah like I mean the Philly trade package I thought just made way more sense like Ben Simmons is you know like like a genuine star I mean I know a lot of Philly fans are starting to get sick of him but like you know you're talking about a guy who's a super high level defender who, you know, like six foot nine, who can pass and dribble the way he can. I mean, you can, you can build a team around him and that's kind of what the Rockets are going to be doing here is trying to build a team. But in the end, I mean, it does kind of seem like Simmons was available. It seems like Tyrese Maxey might've been the sticking point, um, you know, for Philadelphia that they just didn't want to give him up, which, you know, we can have a debate about whether, uh, whether that's a good call or not, when you're, uh, you know, trying to pair, um, you know somebody with Joel Embiid who can actually help you win a championship. But in the end, yeah, I mean that like that's a lot of picks. Like Brooklyn, you know, I think just overwhelmed everybody. Like you know, seven of their own first round picks essentially um, when you count the pick swaps in the future. So we'll see. I mean, the Rockets took a gamble. It's entirely. I mean, the Celtics will tell you that a big pick package from the Nets can can really pay off. It can get it can land you like a Jason Tatum, uh, you know, Jalen Brown combo. But you know, you, you're hoping like obviously if you're Houston you're hoping that starting in basically 2024 to 2027 the nets are bad and that's that's a gamble so we'll see what happens
0: yeah well it'll be interesting to see like because they sell their future like this and then also are these guys all going to return like how is this going to play out the next few years i think what is it KD and Kyrie have options in 2022 Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so interesting to see how that play out. But I'm interested in how you feel like those three guys, Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant will kind of, I mean, three ball dominant <laughs> players. That's the biggest, biggest storyline out of this, right? Like.
1: Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, it's interesting because I, I feel like before the season, I would have been like, this is going to be a disaster. Now I'm a little bit less convinced just because we've seen how good Durant is. And I think that there is just sort of like, like look like for all the questions about chemistry and can they all share the ball having James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the same team does give you like a certain floor like you're not going to go below a certain point because you literally have you know in my mind two of the top 5 players in the NBA and then also you know Kyrie who's you know very talented as well and I'm you know i think that there is a pretty good argument to to be made that the nets looked at this in part like we don't know what's going on with Kyrie we don't know if when he's coming back like what he's going to be when he comes back if he's going to be happy if he's going to be miserable if if we're going to want to trade him for pennies on the dollar if if they do feel that way um bringing in James Harden is a great move like you you know you bring in another guy who can create for himself who's you know just like an ultra elite scorer um that's a nice pickup so but, you know like having having Kevin Durant and James Harden will will take you places even if Kyrie never comes back so i think there's something to that as well but um, You know, I mean, like, we'll have to see how the chemistry meshes. But like, realistically, like, just think about trying to defend this team. <laughs> you can't do it. So it, they're going to be good. I mean, I don't know that they're going to be a championship team, but they're going to be really, really tough to stop.
0: For sure. Definitely the biggest hurdle, I think, in the Eastern Conference as it stands now. and I mean, even before this, but... I mean, okay, so what we have to address, like, I love that Brooklyn is already getting the, the full Kyrie Irving experience. Like, <laughs> is this dude
2: AWOL? Like, what's, I mean...
1: Yeah, it's like... He's true. partying, Sans yeah. mask. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and I think the thing that, like, makes you mad if you're Brooklyn is just, like, like all of the thing like... It, you know, if it was, it would be one thing if it was like, okay, there's like a lot of cases around the NBA and Kyrie doesn't want to get it. Like, which is true. And, you know, his first day of being AWOL was the day after, you know, the, 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 everybody storms the Capitol in in Washington, DC. And I think a lot of us were kind of thrown that day, like, wait a minute, what's going on? So there was, you know, some indication that like, Hey, maybe this is kind of legitimate. And then, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like you said, like you see him out partying with his sister and they're clearly in a club and he's not wearing a mask and it's like, okay, like, This is getting a little less defensible. And then there's, you know, weird reports trickling out that he's mad about X, Y, and Z when the Nets, you know, they went out and got DeAndre Jordan, which was somebody he wanted to play with. They went out and got Steve Nash, who was allegedly a coach that he wanted to play for and who's somebody he definitely respects. Like, eh, they've kind of catered some things to try to make things work for Kyrie. So it's, and I mean, you know, they employ the guy that he calls his best friend. So like, kind of, yeah. I mean, I just don't know what else he wants in this scenario.
0: Yeah. I mean you both know me. I'm a huge Kyrie like apologist. And I think it's just it's interesting that like I can kind of understand Kyrie being like, you know what? Screw it. Like the country's a mess right now. My sister's turning 30. Like, we're gonna rent out like there weren't a ton of people there. Like for Brooklyn to get seriously mad at him, it's kind of hypocritical to me because you're bringing in James Harden. This dude, the day before the Raptors practice was in Atlanta, partying with Meek exactly Mill and in a little, and,
2: <laughs> it little
0: baby or to baby? baby I don't know, yep. one, of, one of those rappers and like at strip clubs and it's like you look at the pic, then the videos of Kyrie like standing off to the side of everyone like and it wasn't like a raging ripper like it was right. a family party, you know? And like then he's using his time off on like those Zoom calls helping volunteer for a district attorney in manhattan or aspiring district attorney in manhattan so, um for if brooklyn fans are getting mad like you can't be thrilled about james harden coming in either because he also doesn't give a fuck
1: <laughs> no i mean i think it's a good point and look like the thing that makes Ky- uh, Kyrie complicated is that i think you know for a lot of millennials like or you know like you know late uh gen zers or whatever like i think he's a pretty relatable dude like, you know, some days like you can have like the best job in the world and some days you're just like, I don't I don't want to, man. I, no, thank you. Like, you know, you're just you just don't feel it. And like that, you know, that's not, and I'm not excusing him. I'm not saying that like what he's doing is right or anything like that. But like, I do think he's like very relatable. And then I think, too, like, you know, to your point about being a Kyrie apologist, there's a lot to sort of, you know, to to like about him. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, you with-
0: covered him day in and day out when he was with the Celtics, like you right. saw the ups and downs.
1: 100. percent And then look, like I mean, there's he's he's tough to cover. Like he, is. Yeah. <laughs> he's very moody. Um, but like at the same time, you know, we're talking about a guy who donated millions of dollars to help cover WNBA salaries. A guy who, you know, donates a ton of money in his in like communities and who, like you said, like you know, cares about community organizing. Like all this stuff, like really matters. You know, a guy who, like when when the NBA was going to go into the bubble, one of his big concerns was like, hey, like I don't want to take attention away from the Black Lives Matter movement and I think that there's a good case to be made that the bubble you know for all the things that they tried to do, I think there is a case to be made that they did you know take some attention away, so like you know the thing about Kyrie is that I think he often has a point, and I don't know that he always goes about it in like the right way, um but you know again, I think hes I think a lot of the time he does have a, you know something of a point,
2: yeah, totally, and I agree with you a hundred percent Alan and I talked about this this summer saying. Like sports is just going to be a distraction, even if they're trying to help. It's in the context of a sporting event. So ultimately the conversation is going to shift to, you know, who has the highest points per game, you know, who is playing, you know, the best games of their careers, who's doing this on the court, not what's on the back of their jersey, for example. But I will say, I'm curious what you think about having Kyrie and James Harden on the same team for this exact reason. Because like you said, and like Al said, the Nets have been catering a lot to Kyrie and we know that the Rockets were giving James Harden the longest leash I've ever seen when you have two guys like that on the same team it's the same kind of thing when LeBron was in Cleveland and he was kind of in charge like no one no one had any doubt that he was like running the show there what do you think it's going to be like when you have two of these guys on the same team because yes they both get long leashes they both get catered to they're very different both on and off the court and they, they want the long leashes for very different reasons. So what do you think it's gonna be like when there's two of them? Do you think it's kind of gonna end up reaching the nets to like a breaking point? Cause I feel like if you have Harden being like, I really wanna go to Brooklyn strip clubs and party with you know rappers and you know Kyrie doing obviously much better things with his time, but still not, like he literally said last week, he's like, I just didn't want to when he was asked why he wasn't playing. Ultimately, at a certain point, you have two superstars who are just like not showing up to their actual job. Do you think that that's going to become a problem down the road? Because in my opinion, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. You've got two; it's kind of like you're making one of those volcanoes in science class and eventually <laughs> it's going to bubble over.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's very reasonable. Like it, it's tough to say, because at, at the same time, like like if this isn't college, you know, like guys can just kind of go do their own thing. To a large extent, like if Harden wants to go do strip clubs and, and, you know, Kyrie wants to read about numerology or or whatever he's like, whatever he's into, like they they don't actually have to like interact (laughs) that way too much. It's like in the NBA, so much of it is just about like on court fit, like, you know, can these guys play together? You don't have to like each other. Like, you know, like the the 2010 Boston Celtics did not like each other and or, you know, like big portions of them didn't. And they still ended up in the finals because on the court, you know. Ray Allen and John Rondo were a great pairing but you know they didn't like each other so um I think that could be the case but we'll see the <laughs> the problem is that Kyrie's like the on-court fit doesn't necessarily feel like it works either like because like you were saying like you know two ball dominant guys and all that so the personalities yeah I mean I, I kind of don't think that James Harden and Kyrie Irving are a great fit personality wise but like that might not matter. I think it's just going to come down to, like, can the Nets figure out a way to make sure that everybody's happy, to make sure that, every you know, the ball is cycling around, you know, as much as it needs to. And then I think it'll kind of come down to, like, is anything going to make Kyrie happy on the court at this stage? And and I don't mean that in like, a, oh, this guy's never happy. I just mean, like, genuinely, like, I don't know what's going to make that dude happy at this stage. And And, you know, we'll see how that shakes out.
0: Yeah, and then mix in, like, Kevin Durant, too, and, like, one of the best <laughs> player on the planet and, like, all his burner accounts, so...
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... KD, I think the difference I think between those three is that like, and and I think that James Harden really does love basketball too. I mean, he's, you know, he's played almost 82 regular season games every year. But I think the thing with KD is that so much of his entire thing is just hoops. Like he just wants to play basketball. And like, I think that's kind of where a lot of it comes down with all of his beefs with the media and all that is like, you know, it's a little annoying when you're in the media because you're like, dude, I'm just trying to write stories about you. Can you just like help me out a little bit? But at the same time, he doesn't care about any of that. Like he just, I think he just really wants to hoop. And he feels like a lot of the time, like, you know, media people, whatever it might be, are just distracting him from hooping and that's all he wants to do. So, like, like
0: that press conference where he was like looking at a reporter, like, who are you? Why do yeah. I have to talk to you? Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I think that's kind of his mentality. So, I mean, I, I think if you look at the other two, I, I think that it really is going to come down to like James Harden, Kyrie Irving, can they mesh? Because, I mean, you know, I think Durant certainly in Golden State, like, you know, it it was it was a much easier situation and he didn't necessarily mesh there either. But like at the end of the day, I think Durant is professional enough to just go out and play basketball because that's that's what he loves to do. So, you know, two years from now, if he's unhappy, we'll see if the, you know, Brooklyn is a place where he wants to stay. But, uh, you know, for the time being, I, I do think that he can probably make it work if the other two can.
2: So it's super interesting that you talked about the 2010 Celtics and, you know, the players don't have to like each other, the team chemistry, because we actually, that's something that Al and I have been talking about so much in terms of the current Celtics. And, you know, we had a whole episode where we basically were begging the Celtics not to do a JB, James Harden trade. And obviously they didn't, thank God. But Jalen Brown, James Harden, this is something that was so much on Twitter of people asking, like, either asking or saying, Oh my God, I would totally tra- trade Jalen Brown for James Harden in a heartbeat, which, like, I personally don't understand that at all for so many reasons. But I would love to hear your thoughts because I personally think that the Celtics dodged a huge bullet. And also, you know, that Jalen Brown should just be part of this franchise for his entire career. But what do you think about this whole thing that was being floated around for at least a month now?
1: Yeah, I mean, so here's what, here's what I'll say about it, and I think that this kind of lays out the case for why you know people might actually think that James Harden would be a good fit. Um, I thought that they should do it before the season. Like I I, I thought that they should like because the thing about James Harden is that a player like James Harden, for all the things that people don't like about him, the aesthetics, whatever it might be, um, he's he's like a top five player. Like a player like James Harden only comes available every once in a while, and the Celtics had the assets to go get him. And and I thought if you can trade, you know, Jalen Brown and, you know, another piece that isn't Marcus smart, because I think you'd want, you know, the smart James Harden Tatum combo in this scenario. Um, you know, if you can, if you can make that work, you put yourself in a position to be a title team right now, um, you know, and not just like, cause I think the Celtics are like a, you know, they could, they could make the, the championship, but like a lot of things would maybe have to break right. And like, you know, who knows how they would match up with um, you know, the Lakers at this stage. Like it's, it's just kind of tough to see. Um, James Harden, I think, kind of breaks you through that glass ceiling where you're like, okay, now I'm you know now I'm like really in the conversation. That said, then we saw Jalen Brown, you know, come out first game of the season, second game of the season, you know, first ten games of the season, and just look like a genuine like star. Like not just like a oh, like he might make an all-star team at some point in his career. Like, no, he like, (laughs) like he looks like a stud. Like he looks awesome. And I think when that happens, then your window sort of shifts into the future a little bit. Because before it was like, well, maybe these two Can someday become a championship team, maybe not. Now you look at it and you're like, okay, they've done the hard part, which is get two star wings who can defend, score, create, you know, all that stuff. Like that's the really hard part. Now you can go out, you know, they have Kemba Walker. If eventually they don't want to, you know, stick with Kemba Walker, like really talented point guards are a dime a dozen. There's literally another one on the Celtics. Like Marcus Smart is very talented, so. Um, I think for me, before the season started, before we saw all the improvements that Jalen Brown made and how much he was going to flourish, you know, with the ball in his hands, as much as it has been, I thought it made a lot of sense to go pursue the guy who puts up 44 and 17 while he's fat. But like, you know, <laughs> na- now, um, now, now I think kind of, yeah, like you don't, you don't trade Jalen Brown. You don't trade Jason Tatum. You don't break up that core. Cause you know, the next five, like two, two years from now, you're probably a contending team. And if you are, I think that this core could stay together for a really long time. And yeah, you just don't, you don't break that up for somebody who, again, is 31 years old and pretty fat. So.
0: Right. I know. It's so funny because it's like that photo of him before the bubble training in the mountains of Arizona. And he looked like he'd just been fasting for 90 days and had a beard that was down to his belly button. And like, then (laughs) quick pivot, like, one very short off season and that meme going around of him just looking gassed on the court and with like
2: 55 extra pounds. Um, but it's interesting that it's like you- watching the Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the NHL is back and the NFL is heading into playoffs this weekend. There are some huge matchups going down and there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust: BetOnline.ag.
0: Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% off welcome bonus.
2: Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
0: But it's interesting that you say (laughs) before you're you were all in on, like, if you trade JB to get hard and cool. Like, hell yeah, do that. Because I kind of feel – I didn't want to move Jalen, but I feel like I anticipated him to make, like, a big jump this year. But he still has been, like, my biggest surprise with how much he's grown. I'm curious, like, what parts of his game and development coming into this season have impressed you the most or have surprised you the most?
1: Well, it's his passing. Above literally everything else, because last year he started to show us, you know, flashes of, you know, I've told the story like a couple of times, but like I used to hear like, I've heard like opposing players in the locker room, you know, a couple years ago, just like laughing at how loose Jalen's handle was, you know, they were like, yeah, he's a good player, but like, you know, just strip him anytime like, yeah. uh, And, you know, like last year, I think that that really switched. Like you started to see like, okay, this guy, you can trust him with the ball in his hands. You can trust him in traffic with the ball in his hands. And that's that's huge. Like if you can get to that stage, especially, you know, if you're a freak athlete and six foot six. Like that's that's incredible. So for but you know, we still never really seen any passing from him. And that was sort of the last thing it was like, okay, can he sling these, you know, passes to the corner when the defense collapses on him? Can he, you know, make these little like lob passes or, you know, to to bigs who are crashing the, you know, crashing the 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 rim, like those things, are 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 huge. You know, like a huge jump for any player who's hoping to kind of reach superstar, and we're seeing that with, um, you know, Tatum as well. The fact that both of these guys can create for themselves, but also create for others, and can do it at their size, you know, at at their like level of athleticism and their level of scoring. I mean, it's just it's it's night and day from you know not from where they were as rookies, but also just like in terms of you know the the ceiling that the Celtics can reach you Know as a result, I, I think that like realistically, the, the passing was just something you, you usually kind of see flashes of that early on in a guy's career, and I just never felt like we saw that with Jalen, like at least in the first two seasons. The fact that he's gotten to this point and that he's this good at it now is honestly pretty amazing, and uh, you know, I think it maybe speaks a little bit, um, to maybe the Celtics weren't quite using him, you know, the, in, in a way that maximized everything because. It seems a little unlikely that this all just came out of nowhere. So, you know, we'll see how how well it sticks. Uh, you know, sometimes a guy's just hot for a little while, but I think that what we've seen so far feels like it has a lot of staying power.
0: I mean, it's super also interesting how like while Jalen's making these jumps as a facilitator, so is Tatum kind of. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just going to be really interesting. I think when Kemba comes back, how they're able to move the ball and. Like just Kemba's added scoring threat. Um, so when Kemba comes back, obviously he's practicing again. Finally, what do you think these lineups are going to look like?
1: It's going to be interesting because you know I don't know that the Celtics want to play Tatum as like a full-time four. Um, you know that's that's tough. That said, he packed on a lot of muscle this off-season. Like he's he's notably bigger. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he could potentially do it. And if so, I mean, you know, you could be talking, you know, about a Kemba, Smart, Jalen, Tatum, Tice lineup, uh, you know, maybe insert whatever big you want there. And that's, you know, that's pretty tough. I will be curious to see, like, the Celtics have really liked bringing Marcus Smart off the bench. I know Smart Smart likes to start. Um, you know, he's told me that before. Like, I know a couple of times the Celtics went out and got point guards, and he was just kind of like, seriously, guys? Like, I'm right here. Like I know, I know he felt that way when Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, when they traded for Isaiah Thomas. Um, but and, and you know, it makes sense. Like you have this like guy who could be a starter on most teams if you can bring that guy off the bench. Like that really shores up some of your lineups. You know, um, certainly premature uh, at this stage, but like Peyton Pritchard has looked great. Um, yeah. so you know, like there's, you know, there's something there. But I think, I think realistically, what it's going to end up coming down to is that Pritchard looking so good. Is going to allow the Celtics to put Smart in the starting lineup because they have a guy who can come off the bench and who can, you know, score a little bit and play super aggressive defense. And, you know, obviously you'll be staggering the starters as well. Um, you know, I think the Celtics should try very hard to make sure that um, at least one of Tatum or Jalen is on the is on the court at all times. But yeah, I mean, it's going to throw a wrench into things a little bit. Uh, you know, it will. I think you know the Celtics defense has not been very good so far this season. Kemba Walker is a really good player, but he is not going to help with that. So no. um, so, so we'll, we'll see how it ends up working out. But I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, you're, you're adding a guy who was an all-star starter last year and, you know, two years ago was an all-NBA player. It's only going to do, you know, good things, I, I think, for the starting lineup, especially because everybody likes him so much. And, you know, he's really ingratiated himself with the guys who are now sort of running the team. We
2: always joke because Al's like the Kyrie apologist and I'm Kemba Walker's biggest (laughs) fan. So we always kind of like go back and forth on, on that a little bit, but I'm curious about Peyton Pritchard because he's been super fun to watch, obviously. And I'm curious if you think that he's for real, because this could just be a little bit of that, you know, rookie phenomenon. They haven't figured him out yet, but I don't know, man, he's really good. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I know, like, this is your niche, like the upcoming, (laughs) like, high school basketball into college. Like, this is, I feel like your forte.
1: I mean, you could say that, but I was really low on Peyton Pritchard coming into the draft. So uh, I don't know how much I want to claim that mantle at this point. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I I think that I, I think there's a lot to like there. Like, one of the things that, I, that I've always kind of chafed at a little bit is I think a lot of people say that, okay, like a guy's coming in, he's 22, he's 23. Um, you know, he's sort of this finished product coming into the NBA. And it's just like, well, like certainly he's more finished than like an 18 year old. So like, yeah, it's probably not fair to compare him to like Killian Hayes on the Pistons or something like that. But it's not like he's not going to get better. You know, I think defenses are going to start to get used to him. They're going to be like, oh, okay, like that guy can shoot. We need to cover him out there. Like, okay, like, he's not a super athlete. You know, maybe if you, if you need to contain him, you know, put some, you know, put somebody who is a a super athlete on him and let them, you know, kind of hound him. I think that's possible. But I mean, like the fact is he's, he's a really good ball handler. He's a really good shooter and he's, you know, he's crafty and like those things will really help you. And, you know, I think that like crafty guys generally like don't get less crafty, you know, they just learn new tricks. And as the longer he's in the NBA, like sure. He's going to go through some bumps here. You know, I'm sure he's going to hit like a rookie wall where, you know, teams kind of figure out, okay, we need to do X, Y, and Z to sort of slow him down. But yeah, I think, you know, to your point, like, I think he's, I think he is for real. Like, I think he's going to be a contributor. Um, I don't know that he's going to like, it's too early to be like, oh, he's going to for sure be like a starting point guard in the NBA. But, you know, I don't think it's too early to say like, this guy has a future. This guy can help the Celtics, you know, this year and beyond. It's like, I think that's very reasonable at this stage. <laughs> like he's, He's really good. It's really weird because uh, I genuinely like when they made that pick. I texted my buddy Chris Grenham, who I text for all draft things, and I was just like, "This is a disaster." And he, and he was <laughs> like, oh, "I really like Pritchard. I really like Pritchard." So I don't know if you want to if you want to have a real conversation about Peyton Pritchard. I recommend Chris. We'll
0: Grenham have Grenham on. We'll have Grenham yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> he
1: saw he's he's it coming, not me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, um. It is interesting, though, because, like, that's another huge surprise so far this year when we kind of came into the season thinking the Celtics were going to be, like, in pretty rough shape, uh, down a lot of guys. But here they are at the top of the Eastern Conference, despite all this bullshit. So partly because of COVID, right? A bunch of games uh, postponed, not canceled. And, like, I don't know. Like, COVID has a, a huge impact, like, on the Celtics right now, do you feel like it's almost a good thing that the virus kind of ripped through the locker room here initially, like at the start of the season to give them this little buffer period to kind of get healthy and like, it won't hopefully won't matter later down the road or.
1: I mean, I don't know that I would say that. I mean, we've seen guys get COVID and then come back and just be like really unable to do anything. Like I I think about like Kendrick one, you know, last year, like in Miami, like, you know, for all the very legitimate gripes about him as a human being, um, like, I think that like people, you know, he, he was a good player, like he was really giving them something and he just, you know, like for whatever reason in the bubble, he just really wasn't. And I think a lot of people attributed that to COVID, like he had COVID and he really struggled with it. Um, and you know, he had a hard time getting back. So, you know, like, let's see how guys come back. Like, you know, it sounds like only Tatum and Rob are the, the confirmed cases. Uh, well, not confirmed are the reported cases so far. Um, you know, it sounds like the other guys are doing fine and you know the contact tracing it has been successful so far so that's good um but yeah i mean like I, I think one thing to remember about the celtics is part of their success so far it, it like has been due to their schedule like it has not been a super hard schedule like they have they split with indiana which was good like indiana's a good team you know they lost to brooklyn um they did beat miami which was a good win um but like the rest of them you're looking at like toronto which is just like a complete mess you know, they split with Detroit. They beat Washington, which is just a nothing team. Like, you know, there there are some like, you know, not cupcake, but not great wins on there as well. Um, and, you know, good teams take care of those wins. So those are, you know, those are games they should win. And I think they are a good team. And I think they'll be better as guys start to come back. But it is probably important to remember that, like, they're 7-3, and three, which is fine. But some of those wins were like, you know, Detroit. <laughs> And barely. <laughs> and barely. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think and, uh, that's yeah. one of the reasons
2: I'm so grateful for Kemba to come back. Because, I mean, that guy averages 20 points per game. Suddenly, you know, they're just – there's just been too many nail biters. Like, it's not comfortable. We're not winning enough I mean, games by, ears. like, a wide enough – Like, the Peyton Pritchard game where he had the buzzer beater, like, that was amazing and totally unexpected. But at the same time – I, I mean, I don't I don't want my team to win by one point or two points. I want my team to not blow a 23-point lead, which I'm pretty sure they did last week, right before all the games started getting postponed. They had a game where they were up something like 23 or 22 points. And all of a sudden, I look and they're like barely clinging to like a two-point lead. And you're just like, well, no. Like you you gotta like, you know, guard the rim a little bit more. Like, you know, where's your defense that you just blew a 22-point lead?
1: Yeah, I think I think that was probably the Miami game um, where they. Probably. Yeah, they they. I have think so. A- I
2: think it was one like Miami totally fell apart for some reason.
1: Just. Miami Miami fell apart, and then the Celtics fell apart, and then and like and this is you know this is just like the NBA confirmed this. Then the officiating fell apart in the final minute. Uh, there oh were my like, god. There were I think four incorrect no calls that all like super benefited Miami, so it was uh, <laughs> that game was a that game was a wild one
2: um but also the yeah. Raptors game where like they totally fell apart too right. I mean they that first quarter because you know my boss is a Raptors fan and I was like oh my god I'm never going to hear the end of this on our work call tomorrow and then <laughs> like the second quarter I was like oh maybe not maybe I'm going to get fired for being a Celtics fan
1: <laughs> well I'm, uh, I hope that didn't happen but yeah I mean that uh no. but then you know to your point the Celtics then fell apart too and that wasn't the uh yep. that wasn't the starters it was the bench unit and then you know, Tatum had to scream at everybody for, uh, you know, for, for making uh, him and Jalen take their warmups back off. But yeah, like, uh, they they are prone to this. But I also think, I think a lot of fans feel like, you know, their, their team does this all the time. And honestly, a lot of it is just like, this is the NBA now. Like, it is super easy to put up points in bunches, because the pace is super fast, and the three-pointers are just flying, and everybody's good at three-pointers now. So, you know, you, a lot of times you do see, like, a 20 point lead you know a 16 point lead like those things can evaporate really fast especially if you're playing a good team so yeah I mean it is very much the age of of never feeling safe uh no matter how big your lead is and you know sometimes that actually goes the other direction I mean we've seen a couple of wins this season you know not for the Celtics but for other teams where it's literally like a you know a 40 a 45 point win and that's when it goes the other way and like you know your team never rallies and and the other team just stays hot. Like that can happen too. But um, I do think that like, yeah, like the NBA, the modern NBA, it's just really, really easy to to blow a lead, even if you are a good team because the other team can just get hot and everybody can shoot a little bit.
2: Yeah, totally. And I think that's one of the reasons why I appreciate Kemba so much because, you know, last year in normal times when we could go to games, I went to so many games where Kemba just had like a massive Q3 or a Q4 that totally turned around a game that seemed like it was lost. And all of a sudden we would leave that game. I went to one losing game the entire year out of like 12 games that I went to. I went to one losing game in December and that was it. All of the games were won and largely because of huge turnarounds in the second half. But um, I'm curious because we talked a little bit about COVID and obviously the Celtics team, whether it's actual confirmed cases or just the health and safety protocols, it ravaged the lineup to the point where I was surprised that they didn't postpone the game earlier last week when it was like going to be 40 minutes of taco. (laughs) Do you think the season needs like a full pause now that the Wizards have more cases that was revealed earlier today? And it just seems like, it's kind of spiraling out of control. Do you think they need a break?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, it, it does feel like it's spiraling out of control. I mean, and it's tough because, like, you know, the, the spin that obviously everybody gets from the NBA, and, and I think it is in a lot of ways spin, but like, it, there's some logic to it. Is that when these guys came back from, you know, from their time off, they had, you know, I think it was like something like 50 um, confirmed cases of COVID, and you know, guys got over it and then were able to get back in the lineup, you know, before. Uh, before the season started. And, you know, that's what the NBA will tell you when, you know, that they, when they release that 16, you know, new cases of COVID have been uncovered. And, you know, they'll, they'll say like, yeah, I mean, look, look what these guys do when they're on their own, you know, then they're, everybody's getting infected, Um, which, you know, like I kind of see what they're saying. and, And certainly I think there's ways that they can be a lot smarter. Like the fact that they hadn't, you know, banned visitors from hotel rooms at this stage was insane. <laughs> like, the, like yeah.
2: it just seems like they've been asking, like, like we're you gonna
1: know, put playing playing it fast and loose.
0: we're gonna put all these protocols in, but we're not gonna prevent you from having like chicks in every city coming through at night, like.
1: Or just I mean, going to restaurants. Like they were allowed to do that too, and it was like, like I don't know, man. Like, yeah, stimulate the local economy and all that, but like, I don't, don't order takeout. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It-
2: I find it very baffling that the league that had the strictest restrictions during the first season of this pandemic, you know, with the bubble and the rules that they had in place and everything. I find it kind of crazy that they went from that where players were just getting sent home for like having, you know, w- women found in their room and stuff to reentering this, this NBA season with such light restrictions when they they literally two months ago before like two months in between they had a two month off season basically and all of a sudden you're coming back and you're like oh no but now you can go to restaurants now and it's like well why though what what's nothing has changed if anything the covid numbers are worse the country is in turmoil and like they can go to restaurants now I don't understand like I would understand if they were like well now you're allowed to get takeout delivered and right. you won't get punished. Like I remember somebody got in trouble because they didn't realize that they weren't allowed to have takeout delivered to the bubble in Florida, but yeah. like it's one thing to order Postmates. It's another thing to be like, Oh, Hey guys, you can go out drinking and eating, you know, in downtown Boston. Like that's, that's crazy to me that that was even allowed in the first place and here we are
1: a hundred percent. Yeah, no, like it's and like, it's, it's, it's just so predictable. And I think that that's one of the things like, you know, when you ask like, okay, should the league shut down? I mean, I think yeah, like, yeah, maybe like according to their reasoning, they think that this right here is the toughest stretch of the season. And maybe they're right. Like, you know, like maybe like this time after the holidays, when cases are exploding everywhere, you know, we're a couple of months away from like, you know, <laughs> we'll see, but we're a couple of months away from allegedly, you know, more and more people getting vaccines, like all of these things, like, yeah, it, Things are kind of conspiring right now to where this could be the toughest stretch of the season. And if that's the case, and, and, and since the NBA anticipated that and they, and they built a schedule, you know, that made room for postponements, I don't see why they sh- wouldn't just, you know, shut down for two weeks now, cut these two weeks out of the schedule, paste them on at the end when you, again, made room for them. Like that was the whole point of this. Um, you know, like I don't see why they wouldn't do that. On the other hand, if you are, and and, and now they are starting to crack down, obviously, in terms of, like, you know, people's home lives and and where they can eat. But, like, before, yeah, I mean, like, there's not actually any point in shutting down if you are going to be allowing visitors into the hotel room, if you are going to be allowing guys to go out and, you know, eat and drink on the road. Like, yeah, if that's the case, then there's, there's no point in stopping and restarting. So, I mean maybe that's the case for it right like maybe that's the case for shutting down for 2 weeks and then coming back with these you know more restrictive things where i mean it sounds like like if your kids have a nanny like the nanny has to get tested coming in and going out like it's going to get like a little i don't know like a, a little like sort of draconian or like dystopian almost i think i mean and that's and that's kind of why i actually have like george hill was complaining about it and i saw a lot of people you know kind of getting mad at him but at the same time it's like i this is like You know, this is some pretty intense stuff. Like, they're really asking a lot of their players at this stage. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I I do think that, yeah, like, I think there is a case to be made for shutting down. And I think to your point, like, the NBA, like, early on, a lot of their rules just made no sense, especially for a league that got so many, you know, sort of uh, plaudits and so much, like, credit for how well things went in the bubble.
0: Yeah. The thing is, though, that I come back to, because I agree with you, but at the same time playing like devil's advocate... I'm like, okay, they shut down and come back with these really strict safety protocols. But like, people are still going to get COVID. Like, what if the teams that haven't been affected yet, we see it just in like maybe a month or two, the same thing happens to them. And all of a sudden, like, what do you shut down for another two weeks there? So I think like the protocols are in place, like, they're very strict now, but they should have been stricter to begin with. I think that's where they went wrong initially. But I think with all these updates, I feel like you kind of just have to see how it goes, at least for a little bit, right? Like,
1: sure, yeah. I mean, certainly, and like, like I think I think that makes some sense. Uh, you know, the problem is, and like you know, not to go swerve too far into you know uh, a certain territory that I often occupy, but like, yeah. like <laughs> as soon as you decide that you're playing games instead of just like shutting everybody down and sending them home like it's it's more about money than like keeping people safe and like that's a decision that you make and like you make that rule you know you make that decision as a league you make that decision as a players union like I don't think that it's just like the big bad NBA telling the players like you have to do this for money I think the players are like well yeah like we want also to make money um but you know like at some point like the league is just gonna have to decide like okay like our and and maybe they and I think There's a good case to be made that they've already decided, like, you know, are we more focused on, you know, keeping profits high or are we more focused on keeping people safe? And it seems that right now the league and the players union have decided that they're more focused on profits. And that's, again, a decision that people make. But like at some point, yeah, like those those are the two things that that you can try to do. And, you know, a shutdown, um, you know, more strict rules. Uh, whatever it might be, those things, like you said, are not going to stop people from getting COVID. And as long as people are getting COVID, you are taking a calculated risk. So, you know, the NBA is going to have to be okay with whatever the results are of that risk, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess time will tell, right? But yeah. um, <laughs> time will also tell how the Celtics fare by the end of the season. So as we start to wrap up, uh, what's your prediction for seeding in the Eastern Conference?
1: <laughs> like the whole way down or just the Celtics?
0: No, just the Celtics.
1: I'm okay. not going to make
0: you do that. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, I think like, I, I think the Celtics are good. Like a, a genuinely, like just a good team. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't super sold on them before the season. Um, You know, I, I, I thought that losing Gordon Hayward was really going to hurt. And I think it will. Um, But, you know, like where, where we stand now. I mean, I would not be surprised to see them get the second seed, the third seed, you know, so, somewhere in there. I think that like the East looks pretty open right now and you just can't tell what's going to happen with COVID. Like, you know, you don't know if, you know, members of, you know, team X, Y, or Z are going to, you know, all of a sudden miss a month or something like that here. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. It, like this is easily the hardest year ever to predict in terms of seeding Cause it's not just like, do you have a good team? It's also, Hey, are you going to get lucky? And uh, you know, Nobody's gonna get COVID in the middle of the season, but yeah,
0: which team has a James Harden that's gonna be out <laughs> right. in the strip clubs, bringing <laughs> infecting the whole
1: team? Exactly, exactly. And uh, so, you know, the like the Celtics, uh, like it just purely on talent, I think they're a really good team. Uh, I think they could get a second or third seed. And so I think you just gotta, you know, kind of stick with that with your predictions, and then uh, you know, hope that you're right, and hope that as few people as possible end up with this uh, end up with this virus.
2: Well, Tom, thank you so much for coming on and talking NBA with us. We have this question that we like to ask every guest that comes on the show. We like to put them on the spot and ask them their favorite sports memory ever. And it can be a game that you covered, a game that you went to, a game that you played in. You only have 10 seconds to answer. Go. Oh,
1: All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: kidding. You can take as much time as you want.
1: <laughs> um. Well, I mean... You know, like any any person who's played sports, their favorite memory is like their best game. And I like had a game where I had 40 in a men's league one time. So that's my favorite. <laughs> <game>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that, like oh great man, <laughs> I was like, talking trash the whole time. Um, but nah, I mean, my favorite uh my favorite sports memory in terms of just like you know watching or covering a game. I mean, it was uh in like 20 whatever the year was where it um lost his sister in the uh you know in a car accident um that was during the playoffs you know I was I was obviously covering the game that night and uh you know I think a lot I think a lot of times like you know people overstate you know the impact of fans because like you know I mean it's nice to have fans but I think a lot of times people like really tune you know players really tune the fans out whether they're supportive unsupportive whatever um that was a night where it actually felt like the building was you know genuinely like doing something for a player like I think isaiah thomas really felt how much you know the city like supported him how much he meant to the city and i think in return like you know that was a moment where the city really meant something to him you know where he did have like i mean what like like twenty thousand people just like you know screaming for him telling him like how much they loved him like expressing how you know like it felt like it wasn't just like support it was also just like Dude, we're so sorry. Like this, this is yeah. so tough. You know, we just like, like a
0: moment like that with the the gravity of everything. Yeah. Like, him being able to compartmentalize something like the death of his little sister to like just put it all out there and just like how can you not? I mean, you don't even have to be in the garden to feel that. I feel like like I watched that game from home and you can feel it.
1: It yeah. was. I mean, like, I get goosebumps still. Like talking about yeah, it. Yeah, no, like, I have the
2: chills right now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> It was really, really powerful. You know, he
2: tweets about it, like, every year, I think. I, I don't know if I don't keep track, obviously.
1: It was the Wizards series, and he scored 52 in that oh, game. So, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah.
2: yeah, those were some, like, Wilt Chamberlain numbers. But I just remember I've seen him tweet about it on the anniversary a couple times, and it's not just him honoring his sister. He always says, like, how much that Celtics game meant to him, how much the fans. Like, he has a real love for this city and the fans, which I think – is probably why it was so hard for him to kind of move on from leaving the Celtics. But, um, Ooh, now I'm emotional. Okay. Tom, thank (laughs) you so much for being our guest, our first guest of 2021. Yeah. And like about
0: time, because how long have like, what we have known each other? Like almost four years, probably like very close friends and like always so many of our conversations were just like, damn, we need a podcast. So it's like, I'm glad we finally, after this many years, were able to sit down and do this.
1: Absolutely. Well, yeah. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm uh, yeah, I'm uh, honored to be the the first guest of 2021. You guys are doing a really good job. So thank you for uh, thank you for having me.
0: Where can our audience find your writing? Where can they find you on social media, et cetera, et cetera? Plug your shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can find me uh, at Tom underscore NBA on Twitter. Um, I don't love that handle, but I've had it since 20, uh, 2009. So uh, you, can, uh, you can find me there. And, uh, and yeah, like, uh, like you said, I write for Boston.com. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of Celtics coverage over there. So uh, people can uh, find me there as well.
0: And also, as the NHL starts uh, yesterday started Wednesday and the Bruins season starts Thursday. You can find his alter ego at Tom NHL.
1: Oh, I should plug that handle. (laughs) uh, Our our, our good pal, uh, Kevin Dillon and uh, Connor Ryan. And Connor uh, Ryan special. NHL uh, uh, Twitter handle. But I also, also, before we go, I should plug my podcast too. Yeah. Uh, The Geno Time Podcast, myself and Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe uh, do a podcast about the Celtics. So if, uh, if people aren't sick of hearing me talk about the Celtics, they can, uh, find me there. So.
0: Well, even if you are sick of him, Nicole is very good and it's a very Yeah, Nicole good is so much better than listen me. Anyways.
1: Uh, I do a <laughs> podcast to listen to the actually talented person on it.
2: <laughs> talk about a crew. Thank you so much, Tom. And guys, as always, you can follow Girl at the Game on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. We don't we're getting we're figuring it out. We're too old, I think, but we're we're trying. <laughs> it's just at girl at the game and of course subscribe so you never miss an episode. Shout out to CLNS Media, our partner in life, and we will talk to you next week. Uh-huh. Let's
1: go get them, uh-huh. Hey, uh, tell me what you got, Lil Mom.